0: If it's good to be in the house of the Lord, just say amen. Amen. Hey, I want to welcome those who are watching online. Welcome. Maybe you're watching from another state. Maybe you're watching on YouTube later. Maybe you're sick. You couldn't be here. Welcome. You're with us in spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are in a series that's called Trust the Process. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and tell them it's worth it this morning. it. It is worth it. And We are in week number three, but before we jump in, just a couple of things. One, if you have received this on your way in, just know that we want you to know you're not a number here. You have a story. You have a testimony, and we want to follow up with you. So write your prayer here. If you have a prayer request, if you want to join a circle, or if you want to join the Dream Team, drop it in the black box on your way out. We would love to follow up with you. But this morning... I got a friend here that actually drove all the way from Cleveland, Ohio, to bring the word this morning. Before he comes up, yes, before he comes up, I want y'all to actually stand to your feet and welcome him this morning. His name is Nobles Darby the fourth. Welcome him one time. Give it up for him. And uh, we're making a last second. We're making a last-second stage adjustment here because uh, this man has a different preaching style, and it's going to be incredible. So he said, you know what, bro, can I get that other uh, one? I said, absolutely, so whatever we need to do. But hey, I want to just brag on this man for a second. Back in February of this year, I met Nobles at, actually, the NBA All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is crazy, and... uh, Nobles is actually the co-chaplain of the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And when we met, we knew this wasn't just like a random thing. We knew like this was a God thing, that this was actually a divine God-ordained connection for the ministry that he's doing in the sports world, he actually works as the director of FCA in the Cleveland metro area, which is incredible. He's started a basketball league, actually, that connects with the Cavaliers and, and the YMCA, and actually in Cleveland. And so he's just got an incredible testimony and story. I know God has ordained it for him to be here today to bring the word. So would you just give it up for him one more time? I'm going to pass the mic off to my man. Here you go, my brother. Love you, God. Yep. Here you go, man.
1: Amen. One church, can we give it up for Jesus this morning? Listen, I am so excited and so honored uh, to be here with you all this morning. Um, When Andy and I met back in uh, Salt Lake City, um, the first thing I did when I met him, um, I got back to my hotel room and I told my wife, I was like, babe, I just met this guy named Andy and he is definitely my brother from another mother. (laughs) Same father, though. Same father. So, Andy is my light skinned brother. Um, You know, I I love Andy, his beautiful wife, Lianza. Can we give it up for the pastors of this church? I love how God is moving through him, Lianza, um, Aliana, and the baby that's on the way in July. So, we're just so blessed to be honored. Um, we're so blessed to be in connection and honored to be uh, doing life with them. And, you know, I got my team, my dream team here with me. Can y'all give it up for my wife, Adasa, and my son, Nobles V. Nobles the Fifth, who we affectionately call Cinco. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, cause sometimes people hear Cinco, they're like, man, why'd you name your kid Cinco? I'm like, no, his name is nobles, the fifth. He's just the five. He's just the fifth. So we call him Cinco. Uh, so true story, true story. Um, and then we'll get into what God has for us today. So when I met, um, my wife, we were dating and, you know, to tee this up from the age of 19, I began to pray over my first child. I didn't know who I was going to marry. I didn't know, you know, when I was going to get married. But I always wanted my first child to be a boy. I'm an older brother. I've got two younger sisters. And so, you know, I just wanted him to be an older brother. Um, And I wanted to give him my name to carry on that family tradition and legacy. And so I told um, Hadassah when we were dating, I told her I gave her a joking ultimatum. I said, listen, if you ain't cool with us having a boy and me naming him Cinco, then you must not be who God has for me. So you can just keep it pushing <laughs> but she loved it and um we just had him in december he just turned 5 months this past monday so um he is a blessing to us so appreciate you guys being here um one church i've got news god has a word for all of us here this morning um i'm excited um when andy and i sat down to talk about the date of me coming like i literally was counting the days on the calendar because my family couldn't wait to come to westfield indiana um to be able to deliver this word And Andy knows it because I know the spirit speaks to him as it does to me. When we were in the uh, one of the team meetings this morning, um, God just began to speak through him. And I'm like, man, if Andy keeps going, I'm not going to have to preach this morning because God is literally like saying everything through my brother right now that I believe God has brought me five hours to Indiana to speak. So I just want to pray. And then we're going to jump right into the word because I want us all just to be able to experience what God has for us. But I shared it earlier. Thank you all so much for embracing and welcoming my family and I. Um, We're excited and honored to be here and excited to see what God's going to do. Spirit of the living God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity just to be gathered, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Uh, the Galatians, Galatians three and 28 tells us there's no Jew, no Gentile. You're all one in Christ, God. And I thank you that that is the message that this church, Lord, that you've called it, uh, to pursue, that you've called it to preach and teach, Lord, that we are all one because we belong to you. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, God, that um, as your spirit is already here, that you continue to have your way, that you would just continue to hover and dwell in our midst, Lord. I pray, God, that the message that comes forth this morning will be delivered with power, Lord, conviction and authority, Lord. I decrease, hide me behind the cross, Lord. Let only you be seen. Let only you be heard and may whatever you want to establish, Lord, uh, in this place on today be done. So, we give you thanks, Lord, for what you're going to do and only you alone. It's in Jesus Christ's matchless and wonderful name we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 So uh, this morning, um, I really want to come from a very familiar passage of scripture, Isaiah 43, 18, and 19. And the reason why I believe God has brought that scripture uh, for this particular time to this particular house is because of what he's called this house to and what he's about to release you guys into doing and what's to come. Um, and so before I tee up the scripture, I just want to speak from this point this morning. So if you're taking notes, you can go back and look at this later. The message title is new levels require greater anointing. New levels require greater anointing. Anytime God calls us to something new, he always prepares us with new stuff because there's new things that we're going to walk into. There's new things we're going to experience. There's new things we're going to be able to partake in and he has to anoint us for those new things. So here's Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says this says, but forget all that it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I, God, am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now, so often in church, I grew up, in church, and I always heard this scripture preached, always heard this scripture teach. However, God revealed to me in preparation of this message that it's impossible to fully comprehend this particular text without first looking at verses 16 and 17. So, God is speaking to the children of Israel in verse 16 when He says this: He says, "I, the Lord, opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea." Now, one church. I don't know about you guys, but when I read that text, it makes me think about all the times that God made a way out of no way. That all the times I myself found myself in front of a Red Sea and there was water to the left, water to the right. I didn't know how God was going to allow me to make it through what I was dealing with. But the same way he spoke to the children of Israel, he spoke to me when he brought me to situations. I'm sure he spoke to you when he brought you to the edge of your Red Sea and said, listen, I, your God, am going to make a way through all of this and you're going to cross over. On dry land. Verse 17, as in Isaiah 43, it says, I call forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick." Now, one church, I know that we're already uh, just a couple minutes into this message, but I just want to declare that the enemies and the challenges that you faced in one season, God says you will not encounter them in your next season. The children of Israel were under oppression so long, but when their time of deliverance came, God made it so that nothing from their past could follow them into their future. And I just want to declare to someone in Westfield, Indiana, to those watching online this morning, that the enemies you've seen today, God says, you shall see no more. God is drawing them into the water as you cross over into your new season on dry land. Now, get this. Verses 16 and 17 give us a reason to be excited, but verse 18 gives us a reason to shout, okay? So check this out. After experiencing bondage and Egyptian rule for years and being freed and delivered into their new season, God says in Isaiah 43 and 18, but forget all that. Wait, 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 hold on, God, I need to understand this, so you call me out of slavery, but you're telling me to forget all that, and, and this is why sometimes, this is nowhere in the Bible, this is just what nobles thinks, all right? Sometimes I think that God looks at us when we get excited about, you know, blessings and breakthroughs and things that he does. Sometimes I think God just looks at us when we uh, celebrate those things and he laughs, and the reason I think that he laughs is because he's like, man, listen, they're excited about that, and they don't even really see what I'm about to do next, They're excited about that blessing, but they don't even know breakthrough is right around the corner. And I believe, church, that we have entered into a first Corinthians two and nine season where eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. I believe that we are living in a time where God is about to openly reward private faithfulness where he openly rewards private faithfulness. No one may have seen how you've been laboring before the Lord, but he's about to reveal in public that which you've been seeking him for privately. See, there's no way that the God we serve would allow us to do a rough season in the public view and not allow our deliverance to be evident as well. He told the children of Israel, listen, I've seen your suffering and I've heard your cries. I'm delivering you, but forget all that. Because why? Verse 18 continues, it's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. So celebrate and be glad about the fact that I've delivered you, but also understand that it's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. I love what it says in Romans 8 and 18 that what we currently suffer now is not worthy to be compared to the glory that God is about to reveal. And so I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you might be in a season where you're battling and struggling, but I just want to prophetically declare that God says glory is on the way. That yes, you may be in a season where you're suffering, but glory is around the corner. you may be enduring some rough things right now but my glory is about to be revealed one church god appreciates the fact that we are grateful for what he's already done and what he's about to do but he's more interested in us turning our attention to what he's about to do sometimes what served us in one season no longer has meaning or purpose in another season see deliverance may have been what you needed in one season but you now need favor because you've been set free. Breakthrough was what you needed in one season, but wisdom is what you need in another. See, what I love about God is that he gave instruction to the children of Israel once he delivered them from Egypt. He said, look at what I'm about to do. He didn't want them to dwell too long on the deliverance because he had planned greater for them. And church, this is why instruction is so important because freedom without direction is still bondage. Freedom without direction is still bondage. If I free you, but I don't tell you what to do when you get free, it's only a matter of time before you run back to the very thing that I delivered you from. So God is saying, listen, I delivered you out of Egypt, but now I need you to focus on what I'm about to do because there's instructions I'm going to release that will send you into the promised land. Now that you're free, I've got to tell you what to do so that you don't look back, but you learn to live and look forward. Forget all that because it's nothing compared to what I'm about to do. Verse 19, Isaiah 43 and 19. Behold, I am about to do something new. I have already begun. Do you not see it? I'm making pathways through the wilderness and I'm creating rivers and dry wastelands. God wanted the children of Israel to not just look at what he was doing but to see it. Have you ever looked at something and still didn't see what you were looking for? Like like I I can be looking at my guy right here in this orange t-shirt but I still may not be able to see what's on his shirt. So there, there is times where we're in seasons where we, we're looking at stuff just happening, but God is saying, I don't need you to just look, I need you to see. God is not in the business of just showing us things that command our attention and focus, but he commands our attention and focus because he wants us to fully see what he's about to do in our lives. So in order to fully embrace the new season, we have to slow down and ask God to help us to see it. I don't want to miss it because if I'm able to see it, then I'm able to seize it. Okay, I need to see it in order to be able to seize it. God wants us to fully be able to see the new things He's doing, but we will miss it if we constantly allow ourselves to look back at what was and what's old. God is moving one church into a beautiful new location. Andy just drove me past the site yesterday and I got so excited. We were sitting around the couch last night just talking and, and dreaming into what God is about to do and vision and I was able to see some of what God is getting ready to do and God is saying, listen, I want you to see this. See what I'm doing here because what, when you see what I'm doing here, it's going to help you seize what I'm about to do there. If you can see and catch a glimpse of what I'm doing right now in the midst of this house, it's going to be able to help you understand and appreciate what he's about to do for where he's taking you. As I mentioned earlier, there are things from your old season that God is saying won't really serve you in this new season. And to give you guys an example, I love like just practical examples because it really helps me understand, you know, what God is really trying to communicate um, in his word in that season. So I don't know about you guys, but I love video games growing up. I got any video game uh, people in here? Okay, I see a couple hands. So the games that I loved outside of sports games, I loved fighting games. In particular, there was one game that I really enjoyed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was the game <laughs> that I loved. Now, you know, there was four of them. You choose which one you like. I love Raphael. The, the the red headband he wore, the little size, like, that was just my thing. And so, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, I would literally play this game for hours, and I would always breeze through, like, the first couple of levels. It would be nothing. I'm beating up the dudes on the subway. I'm beating up the dudes in the sewer. Like, it's nothing. I'm breezing through all these levels but any time I got through all the easy levels and got to the hard one, like, I always would find myself about to get defeated, right? And so, instead of just, like, trying to fight it out, I just hit reset on the game machine. Like, <laughs> reset, 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 because, you know, I'm like, I don't need to go back and fight through those old levels. Like, I want to get back to the hardest one. But don't you understand, for those of us that, you know, know about fighting games and things of that nature, the opponent at the end and at the last level is always significantly stronger and and a lot more powerful than what you faced on previous levels. And it was through something as simple as a video game that God told me, he said, nobles, you can't rely on strategies that you used in previous levels and easier seasons to serve you well in this season because the opponents are that much stronger. The opposition is that much harder. So God says, listen, just in the same way, that you kept hitting this reset button, why didn't you ever go back and look at the manual? Because if you would have looked at the manual, you would have been able to see the combinations and tactics you need to use to defeat the enemy on the greatest level. And church, I just want to speak to us this morning that maybe you've been in that situation in that season where you've relied on the old stuff that may have worked in one season. But God says, when's the last time you went back to my word so I can show you new strategy, so I can give you new ideas, so I can give you new vision. Because the enemies you're facing on this level are going to be significantly more powerful, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So, as long as I'm relying on his strength, as long as I'm relying on his spirit, as long as I'm relying on his power, I can overcome any level I find myself on. This brings me to point number one. Point number one being God releases new strategy for greater seasons. God releases new strategy for greater seasons. What worked in one season will not be effective in this new season. What was impactful in one season will not be significant in this season and that's because God is releasing. Somebody shout the word greater. Once you've experienced greater, it becomes easy to let lesser go. Once you've encountered greater, greater it becomes easier to leave lesser behind as he prepares god to take me to a new level he also has to anoint me for what i'm going to experience when samuel all of our bible readers in here you know the story when samuel went to anoint david to be king he did so years before David would step into that position but God is in the business of giving us now what's going to serve us later. So sometimes you may wonder like God why do you have me experiencing this now? Why why am I learning these lessons now? And you may not understand that what God is doing now is going to serve you six months from now. That what God is doing now is going to serve you a year from now. That what God is doing in one church in this house now is going to serve you guys when you move into the why because the strategy, the anointing, the vision, the spirit that he releases now, he allows you time to learn how to function in it so you don't stumble in it later. God says, listen, like, he, like he's in the business of, of helping us to understand uh, that, that, that anytime he anoints us for new, there's a divine exchange that takes place. Anytime God anoints us for new, there's a divine exchange that takes place. What I mean by that is when he anoints us, he takes our old mindset and gives us a new one, right? That's an exchange that takes place. Sometimes God will even take old relationships and put new people in your life that will serve the season that you're in or the season that you're about to head into because God does not release a new anointing simply so we can fall back in line with old ways. God does not release a new anointing for us to just go back to the old way of doing business. No new wine in old wine skins. But do you understand why that scripture Talks about that. Like, what's the practical or logical explanation behind that? Well, the reason you can't put new wine into old wineskins is because the old wineskins can't contain or hold the new wine and the old wineskin would burst. Now, I need you guys to hear me spiritually and see what God is saying through this because what we have to understand, naturally speaking, the seal on that old wineskin, like, once it's used, it's no longer effective, Like it it, it no longer functions properly once it's been used. And so if we attach that, you know, to just our natural lives, have you ever wondered why old friendships or relationships blew up in your face? That when God is taking you into a new season, have you ever wondered why, man, I'm really excited. I want to just share what God is doing with some of these old friends, some of these old relationships. But When you go and do it, like, like like, they just say, this is what I love about people. Anytime they're really not excited about what God is doing for you, this is a classic response. So I'll go and tell an old friend, hey, man, listen, what God is doing in my life, this and that. they would be like, man, that's crazy. Like, what do you, no, 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 that wasn't the response I was looking for. But you will leave disappointed because God is saying, listen, when I'm doing something new, the old can't contain the new things that I'm doing. And so we have to understand, church, that elevation requires separation. As God is taking me higher, that means I got to distance myself or be willing to be distanced from some people in order to embrace and appreciate and celebrate the new things that God is doing. But here's the thing, why do we still want to hold on to the old stuff? Cuz let's be honest, it, it, it's it's not easy all the time to let go of old things, old people, old relationships, old situations that we felt suited us. So why is it so challenging to still to to hold on and not let go of old stuff? It's because sometimes we just being honest, sometimes we lack the faith that God is really about to release greater. Sometimes we really lack the confidence that God is about to do what he said he was going to do. So in order to avoid disappointment, we stay comfortable in that old season rather than trusting that God has greater. This brings me to point number two. God has greater, but you must confess it. God has greater, but you must confess it. Church, the Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And so what you speak, what you release over your life is powerful. My wife, she can attest to it just five years ago. And what I'm about to share, it does not bring any glory to nobles. This is simply what God has done. And I give him all the glory for what he's done. Um, I was just sharing with Andy and Leanza last night that just five years ago, I was working in retail, selling sneakers in the mall, making $9 an hour not now, I love sneakers, but i you couldn't tell me <laughs> you couldn't tell me as a married man with a wife to provide for that I would be making nine dollars an hour working retail, and I don't knock anybody that works retail, but I just didn't envision that for my life at that particular point, but my wife can attest every single day that I had to go into that job. I put on that t-shirt every morning, I put that name badge around my neck, not once did I ever complain. Not once did I ever release frustration out of my mouth. But you know what I did do? Every morning I woke up before I left out, I kissed my wife and I said, babe, like God is going to deliver me from this job. And I spoke in faith without even seeing evidence that it was possible. I said, babe, God is going to release me into sports ministry full time. I'm going to preach and teach and share the gospel with professional athletes and travel all over this country to do it. Now, again, there was no evidence. Of those things happening, there were no conversations. There was nobody hitting me up saying, "Hey, man, like, listen, in six months we'll have an opportunity." None of that existed, but I chose in the season that I was in of lesser to speak that God had greater. I chose. In a season where I really wasn't making what I wanted, we weren't able to do what we wanted to do as a family, I still chose to release life over my life. And I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you're in a season of frustration and you're believing, God, you have greater for me, but I don't have time to confess about what I'm dealing with. But I do want to confess that, God, you're still good. God, you're still worthy. You're still allowing my needs to be provided for, but I still believe you're taking me to greater. I still believe you have more for me, and that's what I released. Over my life, God has greater. But you must confess it. You must speak it. Every day, I went into work, excuse me, went into work and swipe my name through that badge, uh, swipe my name through the uh, the clock. I would confess out of my mouth, God, you have greater. God, you have greater. And church, I did that for a year and a half, and then God released me into the things that I'm doing now. God has greater, but you must confess it. The reality is, one church, this church, has been called to greater levels of influence in this city. And the only way it happens is through God releasing a greater anointing, which He's already in the midst of doing on this house. If you ever need a sign that God is about to move you into greater, you'll notice that you'll start getting frustrated because you sense that there's more. Like, you'll start getting frustrated, you'll start getting agitated. Not, not that you're complaining, but you just sense, God, I know there's more that you're calling me to. The frustrations that you've been feeling and experiencing are evidence of God preparing to take you higher. Your frustrations are leading you to your relocation. And sometimes that doesn't mean physically in this case, for this house it does. But again, individually where you are right now, the frustrations and things that you are feeling are evidence that God is about to take you somewhere else because what I've come to realize church over the course of the time that I've been walking with the Lord is that as God changes my heart, he also changes my address. So sometimes we ask, like, God, just move me out of this situation. Take me in the greater. But God says, no, we got to deal with that attitude you got first. We got to deal with that bitterness. We got to deal with that brokenness. We got to deal with that stubbornness. So before God will release us and move us into greater, he takes us through a process of pruning. I love what you were saying earlier about that refiner's fire because it's true. God will literally turn up the heat just so everything in our lives that could potentially impact us in the next season. He says, no, listen, stay in this fire long enough so we can remove it so that you don't get out into this new season and embarrass yourself. Like it's John 15 and five. I'm the vine. You're the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God is simply saying, listen, I just need you to abide in me, live in me. And she said it again. It was in my message. I didn't even know it. It's not that we can't do anything for God. Like we, we, we can't strive to make things happen. But what John 15 and five calls us to is to just stride in him. Just be in him. Trust his pace. Move at the pace of his grace. Understand that he knows when to move you, how to move you. What I love about John 15 and 5, and I did some research on this, is that it says a vine dresser, as it looks at the vine, it knows where to prune it. It knows where to cut it, uh, not to injure that vine, but to remove anything that could potentially hinder its growth later. And so God is saying, listen, the reason I have you where you are right now and the frustrations that you're feeling, I'm just doing some pruning. I'm just cutting some things out your life. I'm removing some people out your life because I don't need those old things to follow you and be evident in your new season. So as God changes your heart, he also changes your address. Moses got frustrated with leaving the children of Israel out of Egypt. But God said he was the one to set their relocation in motion. Pastor Andy, God says the frustrations that you've been carrying, you and Leanza have been carrying, are evidence that he's taking you somewhere. The frustrations, the, the the nights that you wake up like, God, why does this keep happening? It's evidence that he's taking you guys somewhere. And this is why, church, we have to be willing to uphold our leader instead of trying to hold our leader up. We see it all throughout the body of Christ. We see it all throughout Scripture. The children of Israel, instead of holding Moses up, they wanted to try to hold him up. When God said he was the one to set their deliverance in motion. And this leads me to my last question. And final point, point number three, you have to go with what God gave you. You have to go with what God gave you. As you he releases you into new seasons, you have to go with what he gave you. I love the story in 1 Samuel 17 where David steps up to go kill Goliath. You need to understand that God will always allow you to defeat a great enemy before you step into what he's called you to. David was anointed to be the next king, but there were some giants that had to be defeated along the way so as David is telling Saul look I'm gonna go take care of this Goliath problem first don't even worry about that I got that I got that Saul what does he do Saul shuts down his dreams and tells him man you're gonna get killed you're just a boy and he's a man of war that's been fighting since his youth but don't you love when people always got something negative to say when it's clear that God's called you to win like God has called you to a season of victory. And instead of celebrating you, people treat you and respond like Saul did. But this is what I love. David, David responds like this. He says, Saul, this is this is me speaking modern day 2023. He tells Saul, hey, listen, bro, you better Google me. <laughs> you better check my resume. Saul David says this. In 1 Samuel 17 and 34, it says, But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. What I love is David had confidence because he wasn't relying on himself, but he was relying on what God had always done and who God had always proven himself to be. So after hearing this, the story goes on that Saul begins to put his armor onto David. I want you guys to catch this. I can't go fight a battle that God's called me to with stuff he didn't call me to use. David's saying, listen, I'm about to go defeat Goliath, and Saul wants to put him in his armor. And David's like, man, listen, maybe that's how you've won Saul. But after putting all of this on, the Bible reads in 1 Samuel 17 and 39 that David took a step or two forward to see what the armor felt like. And he told Saul, hey, man, I can't go in this. See, when you have a real relationship with God, all it takes is a step or two to realize, no, that ain't what he got for me. That's not his will for my life. He doesn't want me to use this. David then tells Saul, I'm not used to this. And he takes the armor off and he picks up five smooth stones and he goes out to kill Goliath. One church, God will always arm you with what you need for the battle, but you have to go with what he gave you. This is why it's critical to not share all the battles we're in with everyone sometimes because they'll try to become like Saul and suggest or tell you or try to arm you with what they think you need for the battle you're in. But here's the reality. Man can't equip you for a fight that God created you for. Man can never equip you or prepare you for something that God has called you to victory in. When you're walking with the Lord, though, you can be just like David and recognize that I don't need your opinion. I don't need your suggestion, your recommendation. I'm going forward with what God gave me and his anointing that's on my life because it's the anointing that guarantees the victory. As I close, I don't know where you are right now, but I do know that God has greater for you. I don't know where you may be right now in this very moment, but I do declare that God has greater for you. You just have to be willing to let him take you through old seasons and remove you from old situations in order to take you through the process where he prepares you for the greater things that he has for you. God called David to be king, but it didn't happen overnight. David had to go through seasons of preparation before he took the throne. And God wants to know, one church, are you willing to let go of the old stuff? Allow God to take you through seasons of preparation so that he can ultimately release you into greater. Again, however God spoke to you and moved to you, moved through you through this message, only you know where you are in your relationship with the Lord. But I do want to challenge all of us this morning in two ways. One, If you've never made a decision to invite Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior into your life, I couldn't think of a perfect opportunity or a perfect day to make that decision. The Bible says this, that God sent his one and only son, his one and only, he gave the best of what he had so that we would not perish but that we would one day have eternal life. If you've never made that decision, then I invite you to do that today. In the sports world, um, there's a story that I often reference. It's a guy by the name of Jim Trestle, legendary college football coach, Ohio State University. He said he was at an FCA camp when he was 14 years old. Bobby Richardson, a famous baseball player at that time, was at this camp, and Bobby Richardson asked this question that said it changed Jim Trestle's life forever. He said, if the game of life ended tonight, would you be a winner? And that's the question that you have to ask yourselves. If the game of life ended tonight, if all of this that we knew ended tonight, we could leave out of this church and God may say, you know what? It's time for me to come back. So if your eternal salvation is not secure, then I invite you to make that decision today. And the second call that I want to make, if you say, you know what? I've listened to this message. I sat here and it convicted me because I've been guilty of holding on to old stuff. I've been holding on to old relationships. I've been holding on to old people. I've been holding on to old ways of thinking. And it's really, it's not God. It's just it's, it's me. It's a lack of faith. I'm not really trusting God like I need to. I don't trust that there's more on the other side of what I'm suffering through right now. If that's you, then I want to pray for you as well. I don't know how you guys do it here, Andy, but this is what I want to do. I want every head bow, every eye closed. Because this is a moment that's personal. If you're here and you want to respond to the first call, you say, you know what? I'm ready to give my life to the Lord today. I just want you to raise your hand right near your seat. No one's looking. It's a personal moment between you and our Heavenly Father. You're here. You say, yes, the game of life ended tonight. I want to be a winner. Then the second call I'm going to make, if you're here and you say, you know what? That message, God sent that for me today. I've been holding on to old stuff. I haven't been trusting him and I need to let a lot of stuff go so he can release me in the greater. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand. God sees. God sees your heart. God knows where you are. Father, I just want to pray over these, your people. I thank you, God, that they have responded in faith and they responded in obedience to your word. Lord, it's nothing that I said that convicted them but it was your word speaking to their hearts, speaking to their issues and I thank you that you loved us enough to meet us right here this morning inside of One Church to let us know that it's time to let go of the old, it's time to relinquish that stuff, get rid of that stuff, old mindsets, old habits, old relationships, because we don't want anything to stop us or hinder us from stepping into and embracing the new. So I pray, God, that if we've been trying to put the new wine in old wineskins, Lord, just completely tear it all up today, right now, God. Lord, we surrender all of these issues at the foot of your cross, we thank you that we can cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And we thank you, Lord, that we can lay those things down and Lord, never return to pick up those burdens, but we can take away because you said, Lord, in scripture that you do trade, Lord, the garment of heaviness for the spirit of praise. So I pray, Lord, that if anyone has been heavy, if they've been walking around, Lord, with an enormous amount of pressure, that right now, Lord, through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, Lord, they're beginning to feel lighter. They're beginning to feel their joy coming back. They're beginning to feel their peace coming back. They're they're beginning to feel your spirit, Lord, working in their hearts, working in their lives, God. I pray, Lord, that from this day forward, they shall never be the same, Lord. They will walk, Lord, out the gospel. They will teach, Lord. They will testify. They will disciple. They will evangelize. They will fulfill every purpose, Lord, that you've called them to. And, Lord, thank you for the fresh anointing that you've released on this house, Lord. I speak, Lord, and I pray to Pastor Andy and Leanza, God. Thank you for the angels you set over one church, Lord. Fill them up, God fill them up afresh, fill them up anew, Lord. There's a great work ahead, but there's a great reward ahead as well. Let, Lord, the leadership of this church and the body, God, uphold them, not hold them up, Lord, but to move with them, God, as they move in obedience to you. We just speak. You have greater for this house. You have greater for them, Lord. You have greater for all of us. And if you agree with this prayer, Why don't you just signify that by just thanking the Lord with a shout of hallelujah. Just thank you. Thank him for visiting us here this morning. Just praise God for his presence. Praise God for his spirit. Just thank God for who he is. God bless you. Thank you all so much. You're in my prayers, even all the way in Cleveland, Ohio. And may we confidently leave this place and walk into the greater that God's prepared for us. I love you guys. God bless you.